Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. What's good, Internet? It is Wednesday, October 24th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 196. And I know what you're thinking. Wait a second. Wasn't the last Waypoint Radio episode titled OK About That Rockstar article? Well, <laughs> uh, so, Oops. so the thing is, uh, the, the thing that happened was that <laughs> part two. Uh, part two. Yeah, I think that's just going to be the name of this one, right? OK About That, that Rockstar. The article. other one. The next the next one. I, I mean, I guess we should set it up. I'm Austin Walker. Joining me today was the voice of Patrick Klepek. Hey, Patrick. My meds kicked in just in time. Hell yeah. Sick Patrick Klepek. Also joining us, Natalie Watson. We're actually doing a week of rock star articles. Uh, uh, we're not okay. One we are. Wow. Did, did the did Rob Zachney just possess Natalie? Yeah, just out here dragging folks. Also joining us, Rob Zachney. Greatest westerns ever made. Okay, can you really put oh a price on God. that? God. Uh, also on the ones and twos, I'm is never going to get another job. Tato, no. Hey, John Ford, <laughs> no. get the how, fuck how out of here. Have Rob Zachney burn all your bridges? You know. Um, so. I guess the, the the very quick and dirty here is, uh, so I was out for a week, or a little bit over a week, um, during which time a piece went up over on Vulture and New York Mag by Harold Goldberg that, that y'all talked about in, in the last Monday Waypoint Radio episode, uh, in which how uh, I said Harold Goldberg, uh, in which <clears throat> Dan Hauser uh, made an offhand comment about working for 100 hours a week. Uh, that kind of kicked off uh, a bunch of ongoing conversation and additional reporting about the work conditions at Rockstar. Rockstar responded very quickly to say basically that while the writing team might work excessive hours, the Dan Hauser's writing team, that comment was only about that team, not about the the rest of the extensive uh, you know studio system that Rockstar employs, and that actually that things are pretty good now um, after you know having some some previous issues in the past. Um, Today, an article was published over at Kotaku by Jason Schreier, a 10,000-word deep-dive article called Inside Rockstar Games' Culture of Crunch. Um, and I, I think that, like, you know, it's, it's 10,000 words. I think people should go read it. But for me, this one little graph is kind of the big takeaway. Jason writes, Personal experiences may differ, but anecdotes from current and former employees paint a consistent picture. Rockstar Games is, is a complicated and sometimes difficult company, one where working quote-unquote hard is equated to working for as many hours as possible. Many told Kotaku that they felt pressured to stay at the office at night and even come in on weekends if they wanted to succeed. Despite Dan Hauser's quote that quote, no one, senior or junior, is ever forced to work hard, people who have worked and currently work at Rockstar say that overtime is mandatory. In conversations, several used the phrase culture of fear, with some saying that they were worried about lawsuits or other retaliation for speaking up. Uh, Jason spoke to 90 people, past and present uh, employees of Rockstar, uh, kind of an even split of both, people who work there now and people who've worked there in the past. Um, and there are, you know, uh, I think it's fair to say that there was a mix of 
um, employee, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, there's a specific word I'm looking for. Basically, the way employees felt about the company, um, kind of the, the the their love or hate of Rockstar shifted back and forth. Let's say, but again and again and again, what Jason's article identified were ways in which, through uh, either indirect peer pressure or through uh, procedure or through direct order, people were working incredibly long hours. Sometimes because they were told that they needed to hit certain deadlines, and sometimes because it would look good if the big boss came into the office and saw you there on a Saturday. Um, and so we're just going to dig into this for a while, and, and, and I, I think there's a lot to work through here. I'm curious what, what your big takeaways were as a, as a group. Uh, one thing, uh, because I'm sure people are going to be – I saw Rob audibly sort of like <laughs> gasp at the 90 number of the amount of people that yeah. Jason talked to. Like specific context, are usually in reporting a story out like this, um, when you speak on labor conditions, like 90 is an excessive number yeah. by any stretch. Part of the reason that number is as big as it is is because of something we haven't talked about on the podcast because it happened during our – 36-hour lives, in which, you know, just side note, like, yeah, we raised $60,000 in college mm-hmm. for the community to for the Florence Project. That's awesome. If you missed that oh. stuff, that'll that's up on Twitch's archive. Please go watch it. It was a blast. And thank you for um, donating if you did. That was, a, that was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't mean to blow by that because it does seem like that was a million years ago. <laughs> but um, during that thing, we didn't get into this really on the, the live stream too much because we just didn't have a chance to, like, dive into it and do the proper research. Um, was that, yeah, like, Rockstar sent, you know, emails internally out saying, like, hey – if you want to speak to your experience, like go out there and speak to your experience. Like we are giving you carte blanche to speak publicly or anonymously to the press um, about, you know, what has been your experience making Red Dead Redemption 2, which is like a pretty, that in and of itself, like however you feel about it or however you feel like the answers would be colored by the stuff. Like that's a pretty unprecedented move to just uh, allow, to, to out loud say that. Um, and so we should, we should note that that was uh, that allowance was given to certain employees, not not yes. a blanket statement yes. for all three thousand or whatever employees that, that work at Rockstar. Correct. Um, and so the result of that was, uh, if you read through Jason's article, like a unprecedented number of people coming forward due to a sort of encouraged by Rockstar itself, and then previous reporting that Jason had said he had done before. So I just kind of want to put those numbers in context for like how you end up at ninety, which is just not which is unusual sampling size for a reporting of this nature, um, but is impressive because um, it gives us a much broader context for a, you know, company that is, has a scale similar to, you know, the Ubisofts of the world, it gives us an insight into a company that is making games on a scale that it's often hard to grasp and wrap uh, our head around. So, Right, but the majority of those people still wanted to remain yeah. anonymous, and I right. think that's really important because um, even though they were kind of given like the the all clear from from Rockstar there was still so many details left out specific i mean uh Jason writes like there were specific stories that he that he intentionally left out because they would um uh identify people too easily and so there was still you know a uh a, a, a need for anonymity a need for protection even though they uh people were feeling a little bit more uh, right. encouraged to to speak I mean specifically uh, it looked like a number of people so 
I've worked on stories vaguely like this before. Nothing is as far reaching as this. And what tends to happen is you build out a foundation for a story like this over the course of months or years. You make connections, you build your network, you start to get the very basic facts down, and then you build up and up and up. And eventually, sometimes the thing that can happen is, and what Jason says definitely happened here was there can be a catalyzing event that causes more people to come out to you. In this case, Dan Hauser coming out and saying we work for 100 hours was a first wave. And then the second wave was the apology where he said no one is forced to work hard, which <laughs> yeah. if you've been working 60, uh, I, 70 I hour weeks, boy, is that a fucking insult. And that's that's what happened to me personally. Like I, I passed on doing a, a story of this scale because we're I, a small I team. Was aware that I, well, no, I knew Jason was already working on a story <laughs> and was like, I just sort of like, uh, you know, I did some of my own reporting. Yeah. There were some angles I was, I was looking into. Um, but more or less, once I knew Jason was off to the races, I kind of was like, all right, that's um, I'm going to let that one go and focus my yeah. my the attention that I do have elsewhere. But I will say, had similar experiences of the moment that happened, people reaching out going, yeah, bullshit on like very specific things and providing things like documentation that showed contradictory to, to statements that the um, the Dan Hauser was making. And so, yes, like those catalyzing events, I think, pissed a lot of people off. Um, and I, I think part of my, my takeaway was watching the variety of experiences. Like, I think um, this, this article as a whole paints a picture of a flawed company that hasn't done an enormous amount of introspection right. uh, project to project. The overlapping of projects has allowed, disallowed an introspection. It's not like, oh, we shipped... Red Dead, take a year off, figure out how do we make these games in a more ethical way. It's like, oh, you know, like as we were discussing in, in our Discord, as Daly pointed out, that, you know, there was there were times when people who were early on Red Dead 2, when they had spare time because that game hadn't ramped up into full production, it's like, we'll go do nine hours of QA on GTA 5. Right. Um, it's like that overlapping of projects, which makes sense because studios are all, often working on multiple things at once. Um, but it seems like in this instance, it it it, it prevented Rockstar from really sitting and thinking about... It seems like things are better, right? Like, I, I don't think you can make in a, an argument that isn't better than it used to be, but it's a it's all relative, right? Like, what does that actually mean for it to be better? And when there are such large inconsistencies, right. and I think like, the, the last thing I'll say is that, like, QA, which has, like, always been a garbage job in this industry and in other industries, um, the, the way Rockstar nakedly talks about how they're... I'll say over and over... The, the way that they would confirm things that Jason was reporting on and just confirm them flippantly. And the QA department was one of those ones where I was just like, oh, you're just like, oh, you're just okay with that. You're saying that's not a big right. deal. Huh. Once you start to internalize that and think, well, how would that trickle down into other areas? Especially when QA people are like the least, some of the least powerful at a company. They're being paid the least, have the least amount of influence. Um, anyway, so there's so much, so many, that you know bits to, to bite on but so those are some of the things that i that i took away more i think that also gets to the value of speaking to some to to that many people um rockstar is a is a company that has was it seven studios at this point eight studios um across the world uh and if even a studio in right, india which which, which you know not which necessarily is, super common not just not super common but also is the one place where we haven't heard much about the conditions right. at rockstar india i i don't even off the top of my head know what work gets done in that office whereas i know now like oh yeah link is, is like one of the lead QA uh, offices. I know that a lot of writing and a lot of promotional stuff happens in the New York office. And like there, there are subdivisions like that. I, I believe San Diego is where some of the mocap stuff gets done now, right? Like stuff like that is stuff like we can speak to that. I have no idea what happens in India. And that was a, uh, an absence from, from Jason's article, not which I don't mean as a diss to him, but like 
He acknowledged that it was totally. sort of a, uh, one thing he didn't get to. But it, it, it paints the picture or it helps illustrate that getting that really wide range of experiences is super important because let's say you only talk to people from Rockstar Edinburgh. Like that office is apparently super nice to work in and no, very few people there, not no one, right? Who knows? But, but per the story – um, the people that Jason spoke to there were, in general, having decent work hours, had a great work-life balance, really loved working there. Um, and part of that is that Scotland has very specific labor laws in place that allow for uh, those protections or that, that that demand those protections. And, and many other places where they have offices do not have those protections, which is just a great reminder that so that these fights for labor rights happen on multiple different levels you know it's 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 important that workers organize and fight for their rights inside of the office but this is also a big part of why labor unions were so important uh you know in in america at least uh which i can speak to in shaping public policy you know in the first half of the 20th century uh in the, the later half of the, the the 19th century and one of the reasons why i really want there to be stronger worker organizations uh now is because some of this stuff won't just come out of negotiations, even with the leverage of a union. Some of it needs to be put into law, and that is stuff that you need bigger movement on across multiple unions, across multiple groups. Um, Rob, uh, what was your what was your takeaway from from Jason's piece? Oh God, <laughs> um, I think one of the things that really surprised me is that a lot of workers there buck against the idea that they are somehow abused or mistreated mm-hmm. employees but the things they they say describe situations of like chronic overwork right and they're okay with it uh they very much sort of have the mindset of people who are doing like long-term shift workers right people who like go and work out in like um you know extraction platforms uh you know in the hinterland somewhere and do like weeks rotations of that or months long rotations of that and come back and you get a big fat payday uh, at the end of that rotation it's a similar kind of mindset. There's a lot of people who in, who are quoted in this article as basically saying like, yeah, we crunch a lot. You know, 60 hours a week isn't un, is, is far from unheard of. It's pretty common. Uh, it's a great place. I love working here. And uh, I get a nice bonus at the end. Yeah. That's a fair deal. And to me, that is the – for me, that that's kind of the rub is that – one of the things that makes it very hard to reform practices like this are there is a never-ending supply of people who are willing to take that exact bargain. Uh, now, there's some people who it sounds like think they're getting that bargain and it never materializes, right? The stories about like people who worked on Max Payne That's 3. That's specifically a great example. Game doesn't do yeah. well. And so the bonuses just never really come through. Uh, the same way or the people who are perceived by management in some cases named in examples as being the housers themselves people who are perceived as not having crunched enough uh, having their uh, bonuses reduced uh, not being given sort of the the uh, you know platinum trophy bonus but getting something less at the end of a development there's a lot of people who like feel that they didn't quite get the bargain they thought they'd made but let's just take that bargain there is a steady supply of people who are willing to say, I'm willing to be overworked, maybe even for an extended period. It's still a good job. I'm still lucky to have it. I'm doing something I'm proud of. And I get a good payday at the end of it. And I'm fine with that. I'm perfectly happy to take that bargain. I'm glad, I was grateful for the opportunity. And... I think that's going to pose a huge problem in worker organizing efforts uh, because there are so many people who come in 
with that mindset. But I think also just think of all the all the collective action problems that mindset creates, all the yeah. ways that mindset is going to undercut like trust between workers and the ability to feel like you, you are in the same boat. Um, when you've got people who are sort of piously being like, hey, I'm working 65 hours and I'm cool with it. And you're somebody who like after 50 hours, after 40, which is all you really should be expected to do, uh, you're starting to have like real life shit blow up on you because you need to be home. You can't live your life at work. It's very hard to speak up or take actions to protect your own health and, and your relationships when you have that other person being there who's like 60 hours, that's nothing. And we're getting paid at the end. That's tough. Well, like, a, and that, especially when then you, there are also instances here where the person who doesn't work that 60 hours is, is, you know, receiving a piece of paper that says that they received, that they worked under 60 hours. That is like, you know, maybe that's not a, a, a pink slip, but it's certainly additional pressure to do what the other people there who are willing to take that hit are doing. Or if you're like one of the, one of the employees, uh, who is at Rockstar NYC, uh, at the New York studio, um, what happens when you're done your 40 hours or your 50 hours of work in a week and you literally, because of your place in the process, don't have something new on your plate? Well, in the case of this one anecdote that was shared, you come in on a Saturday anyway and kick around hoping that Dan Hauser sees you so that you'll actually receive the bonus that you're counting on for making all of this worth it. Um, and I think that's another huge thing. It's like this is uh, – there's a lot of – when when worker protections are, are are in place and when there is an equitable workplace or, or a more equitable workplace as, as best as you can do under late capitalism, what you have is uh, an exchange uh, that takes that that provides a degree of stability for your for your workers for your employees. Um, you know maybe they there isn't uh, maybe their their income isn't isn't like doesn't have these huge spikes the way they might if there's a bonus, but they can count on a certain amount of money week to week to week that is uh, adequate and and is you know, represents their talent and skill and and work, like, the you know level of work. If you don't have that stuff, if what you're counting on is is uh, your big bonus to hit, if your if the game sells really well, then what you're what basically happens is that the company has an excuse, has an ability to not pay out that bonus, right? It it, it has uh, its flexibility on the side of the company. The company will not take that hit if Max Payne three doesn't sell. You will take that hit. You will you will be a shield for the company's bottom line. Yeah, their profits don't become less, but we're good. Oh, we made this obligation for the right. bonuses. Even though we're making less of the money, we're still doing that penalty. No, they make less money and you make right. less on the bonuses. Like, it's not like they take an additional moral hit because, like, if, hey, we made this promise to you. It's like that it all scales down accordingly. Natalie, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to say that uh, speaking to that, that document with the, you know, getting handed a piece of paper that said that you worked under 60 hours this week that was specifically mentioned to have been highlighted mm. in red which i think is yeah. not insignificant like if you were just you know reporting out reporting hours according to some sort of like color scale red is usually used for you know something that needs to be that is not red is bad red is bad and yeah. green is usually well, yeah. good well <laughs> so, and also you don't just send like the existence of the thing that says under in red. That was my red voice. Um, <laughs> under. Uh, the existence of that thing 
means that somebody is trying yeah. to make a point, right? Which makes it very fucking rich that at the end of this, there's this whole, like, I'm shocked, shocked that, you know, there's an unhealthy culture of crunch in my studio. Like, the entire point of the document is to send a passive-aggressive, threatening little message about, like, hey, it was noted. Somebody looked out their office window at yeah. a certain point, and you weren't at your desk that particular moment, and so fuck you. Well, and how um, that stuff is used is, like, so important, right? Like, it makes sense that at a certain scale, you have to start understanding, like, how are your workers working? Like, what is over? What is under? What is normal? Like, and, but it's it's how that information is used. Like, data is not neutral, right? Like, the, the, the or data, exe- data itself is perhaps neutral, but the application of that data is takes a position. And um, it seems like over and over... You know the the use of that data, and like that was one of those weird. Like I was really glad that like Jason. One of the things that Jason did a really good job of was like deconstructing Rockstar's own narrative yeah. as they tried to come into their story. Like on one hand, I'm like glad that Rockstar chose to participate, both because it allowed Jason an opportunity to really hold their feet to the fire in a way that we normally don't get. No, the way this story normally goes is that it's a uh, blanket like 300 word statement that doesn't say a whole lot from a company. And they don't actually address any of the claims. And what's unique about this story is that Rockstar, not for better, often for worse, like tries to tackle individual claims yeah. throughout the story in which like you have uh, folks who are like confirming outright uh, and, and providing detail on very specific stories about like their culture, their policies, like the, the one I highlighted on Twitter earlier today about um, – the crediting yeah. situation at the company in which... God, so you want to explain this whole what thing. Rockstar yeah, does, yeah. yeah, so what Rockstar does is not unique. Yep. I want to make the, this clear up front as I explain uh, what, what they did. Is that So um, they have a policy in that if you do not make it all the way to the completion of a project, even if you come in midway through, basically if you want crediting in the game, that you need to be there when it ships. And so maybe you start a year before it's out, you know, for a game that's been developed for six years, like as long as you're there when it's out the door, then your name will be on the credits. But if you leave any time before then, and this is a game that's been in development in multiple forms since 2011, right? So they're going to like roughly a seven-year production time. Um, if you were on there for five years and left, you don't get on the credits. And this is, uh, let me finish how Rockstar handles it. Basically, Jason posed to Rockstar, uh, is that your policy? And they responded saying, yes, it is our policy. It has been a, I, I think the phrase like, a, a, lo- a long it's, time it's, ago. That has been a consistent policy because we have always felt that we want the whole team, that we want the team to get to the finish line. And so a very long time ago, we decided that if you didn't actually finish the game, then you wouldn't be in the credits. Right. And so a very long time ago, like speaks a lot to, I think what you see consistently throughout this is a, a studio that, has old culture and employment processes that have not been updated for the scale of games they're making in 2018. But so um, they then subsequently said that they were adding a, uh, so uh, Rockstar later told uh, Jason that for Red Ocean 2, Rockstar was quote, planning to recognize many people who made a contribution comma, including many former employees, um, which turned out to be a list of their names on the company's website, yep. which you can go see it's special thanks. And there's a list of like hundreds, if not thousands of people that worked on the game. Um, that are not explicitly like, but it's not. I worked on the right. art. I worked on the gameplay. I worked on level design. It's just special thanks, as though like, in the same way that like a, a you know a film will thank like the 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 spouses that like you know like and the family members, right? Like it, it's just a throwaway. It's like ah, like you walk through the office, even though you may have worked on founda- foundational text and design for this game. Um, and this is not unique to Rockstar. This is uh, a, a culture throughout the video game industry in which 
there are not concrete uh, rules on how to handle crediting and the employer, the employee has no say over this. Like you do not get, there's no, you have no rights granted to you on how you are credited in a game. Um, and, and often like the reason crediting is so important um, is because if you, there's a story I've heard like from multiple different people. It's like, you can often work on games that are canceled and those games that are canceled are under NDA, which means you are not allowed to show the work you did on those games in your portfolio. So if you don't end up in a credited game, if you don't end up in a shipping product with a, you did this and this is what you did on that, you can have a resume that shows enormous gaps yeah. in credited work that an employer can look at and go, what the fuck? Like, what were you for doing? six years, you haven't had... Yeah, and, and this is these are the consequences of decisions like this that are endemic to the video game industry, that are, you know, endemic to the lack of unionization because you have no uh, ability to call bullshit on this. Um, and it, it, the last thing I'll say on it, and, and I'll transition over to you, Rob, is that um, what's different about Rockstar is that they confirmed something that is said privately. They said the quiet yep. part out loud, and... By saying, oh, yeah, like, we just don't credit people who don't make it to the finish line. Like, when you say it out loud, even Rockstar went, ah. Yeah, we decided that a long oh, time wow, ago. Wow, that, we... that really does. That sounds pretty <laughs> bad, doesn't it? Um, huh. Because it is a policy that when you actually say it out loud, when you say it to another human on the being, on the record, it, it is, you are unable to escape the ramifications, the moral and ethical lapses in that policy, and then are forced to come up with something that, moves toward something more equitable, but special thanks in which you have no understanding of what that person did, whether they're there for a week, a month, a year, uh, what they did is not that it's progress, but it's, you know, it's, it's very one, small one hand clapping. All right, let's take a quick break and then jump back into it. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Natalie. Yeah, I was just uh, gonna say it's really interesting to me how much of this language is gamified or is like coded in like gaming mm. language, uh, like getting to the finish line or, uh, uh, you know, the way that they talk about the way that the hours are logged and, and like all of that kind of leads to these like, I think someone in the pod made a joke earlier about like achievements or platinuming, like it really does feel like that would lend itself to the sort of culture that Rockstar uh, in, like internalizes or that employees then internalize because, I mean, it does feel like, I, I don't know, like when you when you plat a game with hundreds of hours of, of, of time and it, it is sort of like I conquered it, like I, I was there, I survived or whatever, you know, like that, that sort of mentality um, in regards to achievements is... So, like, it's so toxic in the way that it requires, like, a um, uh, 
uh, a conquering or a domineering over the thing itself. Um, and that is super concerning for me in, in just how what that relationship looks like in, in terms of, you know, dominating the product in, in terms of, uh, you know, um, the product being submissive to the the power of of the the, the laborer, which is just a, a relationship that I uh, don't think is great. Um, I think, though, for me, like, I think every field sort of adopts its own terms of arts, its own frameworks, and applies them to exploitation of workers. Like, when I hear, the, like, the not crediting thing, I'm reminded of, like, every story of a graduate student who ends up being held yeah. hostage by their professor, right? Uh -huh. Like, the most famous one is the... Um, I had to remember, like, the case was a really long time ago, but, uh, you know, Stanford student who, like, attacked his, attacked and killed their professor with a with a hammer uh, because for 11 years they've been trying to co complete their doctorate and, like, just hadn't been granted that paper, which is basically, like, that professor is, like, got an indentured servant that they're just going to keep. And who, like, it's and, not and who they the may not, who, again, they may not credit on papers that they publish, for instance. Right. And so, like, I think... Every, like, there's potential for abuse in every field, and I think every field will apply its own frames of reference to that abuse to somehow justify it and, like, create some sort of moral, like, not only, like, justify it, but also create some sort of um, sense that this is protecting the integrity of the field, right? This is, mm. this is protecting the integrity of the institution. Well, we couldn't possibly give people credit for a game they did not ship. Shipping is how you know a real developer. Somebody who yeah. works six years on a Rockstar game and burns out didn't yeah. get that seventh? Mm. <laughs> not a that true doesn't gamer. seem right. That's, that's that that gamers fair? would not rise up for that at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I think also also speaks to both, both all of your points, right? Um, to something which is, you know, Patrick, you started by saying that this is not a Rockstar-only problem, the crediting one specifically. Very little in this article is Rockstar-only outside of, you know, a couple of things maybe around the sort of superstar auteur game writer slash designer stuff, right? I think that stuff, it's not unique either. You know, we, there were horror stories that came out of, uh, you know, working with, with auteurs like Ken Levine in the past and then what work culture Which, was What's like. unique is like we know their names, right? right? Exactly. Like my, these totally. people exist at every studio. People that have the power of the Housers are everywhere. Totally. We just happen to know the Hauser's names because they do press. Which adds to their to, to their power internally too, I'm sure. But the thing that is, uh, there's, there's kind of two ways to go about that fact. The idea that, one, this is not unique to this industry. There are other places who have the same issues with crunch culture, with bad work-life balance, with, ex with general exploitation. And two, the broader point that Rob makes, which is, and also all industries, and also capitalism does this. Uh, one is that we should be careful not to let that be an excuse for a particular, uh, for any individual particular abuse or, or, or mishandling or, uh, or or instance of exploitation, right? Like there you will find both Rockstar stands and even Rockstar's own employees, the ones who are in unnamed here, but many of the ones who are like, well, we need to do this to make the art good. This is just how it goes. You will find a retreat to a sort of like, well, everybody does it. This is just the way it works. 
And that isn't good enough. One, because it's not true. Because as, as the industry has changed over the last decade, as we've seen the rise of more and more independent uh, and small studios, the rise of places like Motion Twin, which are run as a, as a cooperative, the rise of, of studios like Kit Fox, who have a great deal of – spend a great deal of time uh, making sure that there is an equitable and, and uh, you know, fair relationship between their employees and, and the, the company owners and all that stuff. Like there are examples of other groups in this industry or even look at the way that uh, companies like EA and Ubisoft are, are spoken about now. If you, if you do speak to the, the employees there, obviously there are still issues. There is still, you know, there are still instances where crunch is, is a thing. Um, but we are far away removed from the days of EA spouse. Uh, and that is... It's important that we hold people to it and not let them escape to the route of, well, this is where it is always. One, because it's, it isn't like that everywhere. And two, because you can do better. Like, games aren't special. Games aren't unique. Games aren't like, I, and I know that can be hard to say because I'm on a gaming podcast. I'm supposed to be like, rah, rah, games are the best thing ever. They're so unique and different. But they're not. They're a product of, of human labor. They're a product of human creativity. And human creativity is an incredible thing. And, and technology is an incredible thing. And I'm, I'm all the way here for, for games. I love them. They're, they're like my favorite thing in the world. But that doesn't mean that there is, there's not something special and innate in them that demands we break ourselves on them like rocks. Um, and then the other side, and I'll get to your point, and I'll, I'll get to you in a second, Ellie, but the other thing I want to say on this is that, so, so on one hand, we should not let people kind of worm away from criticism because it happens elsewhere, but we should use it as a jumping off point to issue broader critique. If it is the case that a game company cannot c- compete in the industry unless it pursues crunch practices and crunch culture, then it is time to change the industry then we do need regulation, then we do need worker organization, then we do need things to even out the playing field so that those companies who are committed to having a fair and equitable workplace can compete against those who are not. Uh, That's it. Like there isn't, and, and stories like this should help us make that case. They should neither hide abusers nor should they be kind of abstracted out until we're not able to say anything, you know, about the broader picture. Natalie. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, speaking to that, I just think, you know, what happens when, you know, it's not worth it or in like in, in Rockstar's case, like the, the argument that is made is, you know, that it's worth it, that the game will be worth it. The work will speak for the labor that, um, you know, this game is going to sell like a bajillion copies. It is going to do extremely well. And the idea that that money, I mean, Jason makes this point at the end that, you know, he, he asked, like, should people abstain from from buying the game itself? And and that money will translate directly into bonuses for the, the workers that, you know, crunch so hard to, to deliver the product itself. And so, you know, abstaining is, is maybe not the answer here. But the thing for me is why the the, the idea that the, that the, that the art um uh 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 not uh sorry not deserves it but it that the vindicates yeah exactly um that that the the work itself validates the the labor um that went into it that the that type of labor that went into it is um so troubling for me um because a lot of times they people say that this game could not be made in any other way mm-hmm. if it had not been for this 
type of labor. And so I think, Austin, you've asked this question on a podcast before. I think it was when we were talking about um, uh, the last the last studio closure of... Um, like Telltale or... Yeah, yeah. Um, then, then games, then we shouldn't have these types of games. Um, you know, if, if these types of games warrant... That was the word I was looking for. Good word. So long ago, warrant. <laughs> if these types of games warrant this type of labor, then we shouldn't have these types of games. And that is I think where I I hit like a breaking point with people on this type of conversation where they say, well, we have the game. Like it is possible to make the game. It is possible to make the greatest game of all time. All we have to do is- 70 hours a week, buckle up. 70 hours a week. Exactly. And maybe you don't even have to be the one who does 70 hours a week. Maybe you can do 45 hours a week and someone in Lincoln, England will do the 70 hours a week. Where's that? I don't even know. I'm not there. Who cares? Um, exactly. Or, or, or you don't get that, right? Because that's the other thing that I think tends to happen with stories like these. And Rob, I'll get, get to you in a second because I know you have a point. Um, is you – stories like this often hit and some and you could be a worker at a place and be like, oh, word? That's happening here? Like – we are so fractured that we had no idea. I can say that because, oh, word, that's happening here. We work for Vice. Uh, we've been through yeah. scandals about sexual misconduct. We've, I've, I've been here when articles from like the Columbia, uh, you know, uh, journalism review ran on freelance practices at a different branch of the company that I would have no idea were happening. That does happen, and. I think as a worker, you have the option in those moments to get very defensive and say, no, this is my home. I've been treated well here. Or you have the option of like listening and thinking about how to reform the place that you work in. And I can say from experience that like you will get some pushback when you do that, um, but that it will be better in the long run. Or at least I, I like to think that it, it will be better in the long run because you can actually you know issue some sway, especially if you're one of those people who is not the one who is facing the the abuse and mismanagement because that tends to suggest that you are maybe in a in part of the company where you have a little bit more sway or more power or at least more stability rob i was thinking about the like the art will somehow justify this yeah and that should be easier to say if you're a rock star now i will argue that point and so with some of their games that you know no sorry this doesn't justify shit <laughs> but like i understand like at least you worked on a game that is going to be successful prestigious it's going to speak to a lot of people and then there's a tendency to believe that like creative endeavors should on some level all be like the agony and the, ex the ecstasy yeah. right you're all on your your michelangelo on his back paint dripping into his eyes while rex harrison screams at you from below mm -hmm. um a scene i think a lot about is from a movie called American Movie. Yeah. Which is about this fucking this great poor movie. schlub. Are you That's such just, a good movie. He just wants to make his horror movie, Coven. Yeah. One of my favorite movies and of all time. It's, so good. it's a great it's a great movie and it's one of the bleakest comedies I've ever seen cuz it's a documentary. Like this guy is 100% real. Unintentional. <laughs> yeah. He thinks he's making his horror masterpiece, but he has literally no idea what he's doing, but a scene that I think about a lot is he's got this idea for a scene where a character is attacked and gets his hand, his head God. smashed through uh, the, a sink, a kitchen sink cabinet, and his head's just going to go straight through it. It's going to kill him. He wants to do the stunt. He's going to film it. So he's got an actor, like a friend of his, who's like agreed to do this. The guy's like a local theater actor, or whatever, and. 
this dude who's like dreams to make horror movies thinks he's got it figured out what's going to make the stunt work. He basically cuts a couple notches in the back of the cabinet and is like, cool, I've created a big X on the back of the cabinet door, so now your head should go straight through. And for like an excruciatingly long period of time in this movie. This is a documentary, you, by the way. It'll be clear. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, yeah, it sounds like Spinal Tap. This is real. This is like, this is not a bit. It's the kind of thing that would be scripted now on Netflix, yeah, yeah, yeah. but exists 100%. as a real fucking documentary yeah. from like 10, 15 years he ago. He takes this guy's head. And just starts smashing it against this cabinet. And it never goes through. And it keeps, like, cutting deeper notches and keeps trying to weaken it. And just keeps trying to, like, get the shot. And eventually the guy has to beg off because his head is bleeding like a sieve. And, like, he's probably been concussed at this point. And the thing is, if you're lucky, you're being mistreated by somebody who knows how to get that shot. Who knows how to make the cabinet explode inward and achieve the shot. There's a lot of people in this industry who are going to look at the experience of a rock star, look at the example of, a ho- of the Housers, and think, I can be like that. That's me. <laughs> right. But they're not. They're the guy in his you know, kitchen in the Midwest trying to create his masterwork without any fucking clue and hurting a ton of people in the uh, process. We know this because those stories happen, right? One, yeah. so two things. One, those things happen. You look at something like what happened at mid-boss last year, two years ago, uh, I guess it was last year when, when things came to light about Matt Kahn and the way that that company was being run and the abuses there, both uh, in terms of sexual misconduct and in terms of worker abuse and, and worker mistreatment. Um, that's a person who was positioning himself internally as that sort of auteur and in fact mistreated people and took advantage of people. And that's a terrible situation and it, it is exactly the sort of thing you're talking about here. It is breeded by a culture that idolizes that figure. The second thing is, I'm reminded of a different movie, and one that I did not think I'd be talking about today. Uh, so, uh, I'm probably never going to watch another Woody Allen movie again in my life. I grew up watching every Woody Allen movie. My father and I uh, would, like, would go see new Woody Allen movies, even well until when he was in his terrible, bad phase of, like, you know, the Jade Scorpion, right? Like, not good Woody Allen movies, not very defensible, but it was something that we bonded over when I was a teenager. And one of the movies we watched at some point, ironically, this is the movie that helped me as a fan of his decide I was willing to hold him accountable for his abuses. Um, huh? Do you I, know what... I, okay, so it's for me... Do you want to guess? Yeah, do you want to guess? <laughs> um... Oh, fu- uh, Crimes and Misdemeanors. It's not Crimes and Misdemeanors, though that it was one I enjoyed a lot. It's actually Sweet and Low Down, which is a movie he's barely in. It's a Sean Penn movie, I believe, mm. in which he plays the second best jazz guitarist of all time. Uh, and it's it's a fucking Woody Allen movie, right? Like, he falls in love and the, his heart is broken and he makes fucking, he plays jazz music. It's a fucking Woody Allen movie. You don't need to go see it. But it ends with his life falling apart. I'm going to spoil Sweet and Low Down now. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, it's it's shot it's shot like a movie, but then it has these sort of, like, Mafia 3-esque interstitials that are treating it like a documentary where it goes to jazz critics who are then like, oh, here, then in this year, blah, blah, blah happened. Oh, that's when his life really turned around. And it ends with mm. these two – it ends with him, like, literally on the ground, his guitar broken, in like, sobbing, Sean Penn's character. And then it cuts to two people. I think the second one is Woody Allen, and the first one is just like – and he never made a more beautiful song. He was, like, he was like such a good – 
good musician. Like, it just, he opened up inside, and he was just as good as Django Reinhardt ever was, and he finally met his match. And then it goes to the second uh, talking head who is like, and then he just kind of disappeared after that. I guess, like, maybe he went to Europe, or, you know, maybe he, I don't know, if he, maybe he fell, you know, fell apart into obscurity and died in the gutter. But you know what? Those last few songs he made, they were beautiful. And it was like, that was one of those things I walked away going like, Oh, right. Like, there is no amount of beauty that is worth, worth breaking a person over. You know, there is no amount of, like, you can convince yourself that it is worth killing yourself over your art. And one, you do yourself a disservice when you do that because you can make good art without doing that. Two, it allows us to pretend that there is a divide between human cost and uh, kind of artistic endeavor. And again the thing for me that was funny with the ironic here is like that is exactly the lesson that allowed me as a teenager or a young 20 something or whatever to be like oh i can be done with woody allen i don't give a fuck how funny these movies are he's a piece of shit and that is not something that i expected to learn from one of his movies but it is something that i think applies here where <laughs> I, like you know i don't have we don't have red dead we did not get code for Red Dead Redemption to surprise. Seems unlikely we would. Uh, who knows? The last time I asked, they were like, eh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. You know? We'll see. Uh, so there's a chance that it comes in today. There's a chance that it comes in Friday. Who knows? There's a chance it comes in while we're on this call. I, Are I, you I, a bad enough dude to send Rob Zachney a copy of Red Dead 2? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> um, but, and I've said I said this during the preview, but, like, that's a game that I suspect I will like a great deal. I haven't played it. Mm-hmm. I've I've heard, you know, through the grapevine, it's pretty good, you know? Uh, I suspect it will review incredibly well. But we, I have to face the idea, the question of like, okay, like, is there some magical point at which it's so good that it is worth someone, you know, living in what they call in this article a culture of fear? Um, and well, so this, this, is, a, it's this rough. is a question that I... Yeah. Yeah, this is a question I posed out to just before this was asking him. This is something that's come up like with Telltale. This came up with this, in which I think we probably all had the question of like, all right, so I'm the consumer slash player. You know, you you serve both of those roles um, in in this issue. Like, what do you do? And this is something that, to to set up, Jason addresses briefly at the end of the the piece, in which he says, like, he asked the developers, um, the sources that he spoke to, what do you, do you want people to boycott this game? And like developers were like, no, 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 no. Basically, like we're like, a, our bonuses right. are predicated on this game selling well, so that doesn't help us. Like you, we are punished by you punishing the company financially for what you're reading about here. And they they generally said you should just push companies and ha- push people to speak out more about labor practices. Um, so then I asked a bunch of developers, or just openly asked what people thought about like what do you do in this situation? Like because I think. Yeah. You can't often feel helpless. You can't often feel like, well, is the thing to do sort of like don't feed the trolls. Like one of the more common ways, like when you see something that's like, is just the solution, just don't give them your money. Like you just starve them of income and then change comes. And like predominantly, 99% of the responses I got were like nowhere near that. Like no developer advocate, almost no developer advocated for a boycott. Um, one, because it just wouldn't be effective on the scale necessary to uh, create real impact. And so uh, that that's not, like, is it helpful? Yes. Like, if you, like, it's not to say that, um, in the same way you don't want to watch Woody Allen movies anymore. Like, if you think yeah, this is a line the, too far yeah. for you, 
I'm not I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't take that step. It's in the same way that like climate change, it's like recycling is helpful, but that's not necessarily going to change the planet, right? And so like this is a similar situation where like larger systemic change needs to occur. So uh, I'll, I'll read a couple of the responses I got from some more prominent developers, like Sean Veneman over uh, at Campo Santo. There's still Campo Santo, even though we're at Valve now, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. Probably. Um, so he says, uh, I prefer someone just play whatever they want and then vote for folks who will lead the way on progressive future of work issues. In the case of Telltale Games, I'd already given much of myself making the game under difficult circumstances. I think it's okay to participate uh, as a customer in a broken system if you do so eyes open and advocate consistently over the long term for improvements to the system but it's a matter of unique perspective i might have felt differently had i stayed at telltale games through the end in today's market it's extremely it's just very hard to act like a normal customer and not be a hypocrite um dave lang who i'll avoid a joke over here because he's being serious dave lang you know uh ceo of uh, um uh, uh, Iron Galaxy says buy the game and have fun playing it uh, for me I just don't think this will be an effective form of protest so putting myself in the shoes of the developer team development team I just assume see people enjoying the things I've worked on even the circumstances I worked on were shit um, Dan Teasdale uh, who worked over at Harmonix and uh, now has his own studio No Goblin um, this isn't a thing you can punish at the register buy and enjoy the work that's done by the developers but don't support or give a platform to the industry organizations and foundations mm. that downplay negative quality of life uh, policies. And I could go on and on, but like I would say that's like, the, gist. The, the, the through line from people was that uh, if you choose that this is a, a bridge too far, that is probably going to be case by case on a game by game basis and uh, your own personal feelings, ethics, and just where you fall on things. Um, but that that necessarily won't create systemic change. The systemic change is probably, it's a combination of, of, of worker empowerment through unionization, which also... Players can't necessarily influence. So if you leave like, what can I do? Really, it's it's voting, right? Like it's 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 advocating for it's finding policymakers who will advocate change on on a different end than just uh, you know workers unionizing is the combination of like outside power and encouragement, but ultimately rests on workers coming together and overcoming uh, systemic disempowerment. But you can vote for progressive candidates. You can advocate for progressive causes that will will create more equitable work environments. You can champion. You know, labor unions, which is are happening at a remarkable pace, actually in writing circles, right? Like we're in a union at Vice. Like I was a union at Gawker. Um, there's a, a union being organized at Vox. Like that is happening. That can happen. There is proof that those things yeah. can occur um, on small scale and then branch out. So if you're looking for what to do, like the this is not, you know, this is a small sample size. But the developers, you know, the, the team responding here is like, go, you know, go be an advocate, go vote, go find policies that can actually meaningfully change people, and then where you fall on a game to game basis on whether you should buy it or not. Is something that you kind of have to search your own conscience for, um, but not necessarily you are a horrible person for wanting to support the creative work that people spent years grinding away at um, in questionable conditions. Like there is worth in celebrating that and appreciating the work they did, even if it was not the ideal environment. What was that piece? Somebody in the game space wrote a piece of like in my head. It's a few years back. For all I know, it's like two thousand eight, two thousand nine at this point. Uh-huh. Uh, about the sort of trap of trying to consume ethically under capitalism, of trying to buy, uh, to, to buy ethically produced goods, right? To try to vote with your dollars to affect change. And I cannot remember who wrote this piece. It's been, it, like, I was just Googling and I can't, I can't quite find it. But basically the, the takeaway from this piece uh, was that it's sort of this ever receding goalpost of like uh, trying to figure out, well, okay, as a consumer, where can I spend my dollars? Who can I vote for to say, like, I support this change? And what that actually does is it it dissipates your energy, 
your your focus, your activism, and turns everything into this like personal moral judgment of mm-hmm. you. When really that should be pointed somewhere else through through activity, right? Like if you're going to be spending that energy trying to consume ethically, there's a strong argument to be made that like, man, like buying ethically sourced, you know, salad or something may not be the most effective way to go about it, just because it's such a small change and requires so much of the individual to educate themselves and try to like catch all the ways people are misrepresenting how things are produced. Yeah, I'm, I'm like fairly torn on this, and it's it, this is not the only issue um, where it comes up. Uh, you know, uh, today or last night, last night, uh, GOG.com, uh, their social media person, yet again, Ugh. fucking tweeted out, classic PC games, hashtag won't be erased on our watch. Yeah, how's that for some use of hashtags? Uh, hashtag won't be erased was a, a hashtag that uh, a number of trans folks were using to to speak out against uh, a, a, an announced policy shift or a, a, a planned policy shift um, that the New York Times reported over the weekend in which they were planning to roll back federal civil rights protections for trans folk in America. Um, which means that there would be a whole new... Uh, uh, Riley McLeod over at Kotaku wrote about this this morning in a, in a piece called Gog Account publishes yet another awful tweet. Uh, so it's worth going to see that. Uh, and it's worth remembering that this is also the same account that published uh, a, a tweet about uh, Postal 2 that was a Gamergate joke, and then also the CD Projekt Red um, uh, tweet from earlier this year, which which made a really shitty, did you just assume my gender... Uh, joke, which which is transphobic in nature. I get with one note. I'm not. I guess people are discovering. Uh, maybe we take this for granted. Yeah. People don't always realize that CD Projekt Red owns. Yes. Gog yeah, yeah, yeah. Slash good old games. Yeah. Um, and so, while it is not clear if it's the same that, person, uh, it's the same uh, person. The same. There, there is there, there's a pattern. Yep. So at the very least, there's a culture. Um, it's also possible that um, and like an oversight or an oversight that doesn't care. And there, uh, I've not done all the research myself, but like the people have been, yep. uh, there, there's been reporting done on folks who work on that uh, social media team um, that have some, let's call it questionable, or maybe yeah, whoever. There, it would explain some things about the tweets. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to speak too uh, closely on it because I haven't uh, vetted done it all myself. Yeah, but, fair. Um, I, I was, you know, deeply disappointing but, that Gog refuses to actually engage with any of the totally. shit. So I mean, they issued a, an apology that was like not an apology. Eh, they they, they made a apology? statement. They made a statement. They <laughs> sure. deleted the yes, tweet. Let's and made be a clear. Statement. They did not issue an apology. Same statement but, they always make. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Which is the one that we kind of gestured at, being thinking that Rockstar would make about all of this stuff, right? Which is like. Oh yeah, there was some bad. There was some stuff. People were upset. Shrug. Move on. Right. We're so, always looking to get better. Always looking to improve. You know. Pre-order over at this. We've link. heard you. Um, so <laughs> the when I say I'm torn on this, it's because I I there are lots of ways to hear the words we've all just said, and one of them is a sort of shrugging. Well, I guess there isn't too much I can do. Yeah, I'll retweet some Game Workers Unite stuff. Yeah, I'll retweet when there's an essay that I like about labor or an interview, or I'll retweet Jason's piece. And that's the end of my cult culpability. Yeah, I'll vote. But I was going to vote blue anyway, so, you know. Right. Um, and there's a, a way in which there's a hand-washing that can happen there. And I say that because I've been in that position about other issues and other industries where I'm like... Everyone does it every day right. we are because all hypocrites. you can only juggle so many are, things. Many of us are hypocrites. I've said before that if I was if, if I was living a less hypocritical life, I'd probably not be eating like 
factory farmed meat, but I end up eating factory farmed meat because I don't live that life because I just, it is, it is, I'm a huge hypocrite and everyone has a higher, every, yeah, just, we all make yeah. priorities in terms of where we're, we are drawing our, our personal lines. I draw mine with labor fairly high or I try to because it matters a lot to me and I've invested a lot of myself into it and there's a deep bias there, uh, but, I, you also, but I do. You can also impact the change, right? right? Exactly. Because like we can like have related, this conversation like, where on Where can I make a difference? Right. right. And so what I would say is push yourself to do more than just the, the least uh, amount here. There are ways to enact change or there are ways in which, like one, yes, go and vote. But also maybe help campaign for local politicians who actually have who are actually great on labor rights. See if there are ways for you to donate to groups that are actually you know working towards shifting the conversation around labor in this country. Look at ways in which you could spend your money on projects that don't necessarily come from from companies like Rockstar, and instead, you know, the world is not only labor. Labor is a big thing, uh, or, or or rather, even the world of game development. Uh, we can't only think about AAA development, right? Like, look at games from queer developers, from from uh, independent developers who you know are are not going to get the big, you know, uh, uh, marketing push that a Rockstar game is going to do. Uh, Buy things on Itch.io instead of Steam it, because yes. you get a better cut on Itch.io, and there are games listed 100% on both. Hundred percent, do that, um, or or directly from websites when you can. Right. Tip, you know, if someone has a, if a designer you like has a tip jar or a Patreon, toss some bucks in. Uh, if you have that, right? And if you don't, then, like, find ways to help promote their work. Um, Publicly thank them. Like, let them know you lot. appreciate the stuff that they totally, do. It really does. Totally, 100%. Uh, and be try to be fearless when it comes to this stuff. Like, I, I'm not going to ask anyone to, like, get into arguments with internet trolls um, because I don't know that that's particularly effective. But when this stuff comes up in your life and the your friend of yours who is like, yeah, but whatever, I'm going to buy it anyway, um, says that, Push back a little bit. And I'm not saying, like, enough to be like, tell them don't buy it. But have the conversation. Like, oh, did you read that article? Oh, did you – have you thought about this, this, and this? Have, do you know about Game Workers Unite? Do you know about the the, the kind of history of these conditions in this industry? Um, have that conversation with the people in your life and, and try to actually impact the change in that very, very, very local way. I don't think that saves the world. Like, I, I still think that this is, like, big picture systemic stuff. Uh, I don't think that it is – on you as an individual to do that because it's like a deeply narcissistic way of looking at the world uh, and, and and one that does not contend with systemic inequality and kind of the, the power of structure, um, which you have to do. But when you engage with that structure, we are st- – structure exists and it outlives us and it often outpowers us, but it is also made of us, right? Like – the bureaucracy that 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 the world works on, and the the you know systems of exchange that that power capitalism don't work without us. Um, and so the other half of this for me is just to be ready to take action and to be in the street if it's if it's a day to go to the street, right? It it, it is one of those things where there is a kind of comprehensive worldview that you can arrive at when you look at these things, and it can be scary to do that. And it can be scary to think like. Yeah, I guess I oppose all of this. Like, I think all of this fucking sucks, actually. Think about going there um, and think about, like, having that attitude as you move, not just in general elections, but in primaries, not just in national elections, but in local elections, um, not just in your home, but in your workplace. Um, I think that is what does this whole topic justice more than, you know, being like, okay, I won't buy this one game once and that's good now i'm done or that's kind of like voting yeah, right like, like voting is yes, important yes. but that's not activism exactly there's like wildly different things between right. voting and activism and i think finding 
small and big ways in your own life to push yourself out of that and doesn't, you know, everyone's going to be able to contribute in different ways. Um, but like there are ways where you can meaningfully push yourself to do something that's a little bit more than just buy or not buy, vote or not yeah. vote, and like trying to push on the margins in, in ways that are meaningful. I just want to reiterate the thing that I said forever ago now, it feels like forever ago, it was probably only three weeks ago, which is resist all arguments that say that games like this could only be made in the current state and, and condition. And by games like this, what I mean is games that are big and good. like Or even this game. Yeah. Yes. Yes. This There presumes such a low fucking bar for like our... If we can make games this creative, they can be made more. Absolutely. They can be made uh, more creatively yep. as and well. And it might that mean just someone at the top the, the status quo. doesn't get right. the doesn't get the big paycheck. It might even mean that people, you know, uh, in the the high middle up, you know, a chunk of Rockstar don't get as big of bonuses because you've had to hire more people or because you've had to pick set up new studios. Um, again, like you said, it, based on this piece, it reads as if things have improved over the course of of Rockstar's life. They talk, they, you know, there, there's. Part of this is Jason talks about how they moved from a system where there were like three or four different studios working on three or four different projects at once to one where to, to now everyone works on the same thing to kind of spread out the workload. They do talk about hiring more QA people. We know from a, another story published last week that the conditions at the Lincoln studio have changed because they have pushed back on the idea that they supposedly had volunteer overtime when what was actually happening was that <laughs> managers were giving you your schedule with built-in overtime. That is not volunteer overtime. I don't give a fuck what you wrap it up and say what it is um so those conditions have changed those conditions are changing and continuing to push for those will not make it so that rockstar can't make good games it will only make it so that they can make games in a more equitable way and i potentially even better ones because people will not be so fucking burnt and there won't be this fear of of losing your job if you need to take some time natalie yeah, I, I couldn't tell if you were rubbing your temple it, because of frustration or if that was... Actually, I am also yeah. frustrated. I was just going to say that if it's about the art, then make it about the art in the in the sense that it's not about the profit yeah. check that is cut to the higher yeah. ups. Like, if it's about the art, then really dedicate yourself to the art. Hire the people that it needs to make it good. You know I what do. I mean? Like, it's it's not... I do. I, I do. And, and I think it can be fucking... It can be hard to be i have no idea what it's like to be in rockstar shoes because i have never had a budget like that uh i you know we are it is i'm not talking about i'm not talking about company budgets i'm talking about like profit checks that are cut to specific people totally 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 um Uh, i i was gonna what i was gonna say there was just i understand there are economic realities around who you can and can't hire because we are staring down the, the end of a budget gun ourselves constantly but the second thing I was going to say was, like, that doesn't matter. What we're going to do is make what we can make and make it really well. And I think that, that is the thing you're getting at, right? Is like, t- fucking don't take that check and instead hire those people. I was just going to say, like, I think another thing that makes these issues seem murkier than they really are is that an article like this gets written. And I think Jason does a great job. But one of the things he also has to do while he's trying to unpack all this is explain how game development works. How do yeah. all these pieces fit together? What do these people do? And I think it's very easy for people who do not know the industry very well. Even some of this is surprising to me. Uh, but it's very easy to sort of get your head spun around as you read all this. And be like, damn, these are really complicated problems. I can see why things can sometimes go wrong. And these projects can be mismanaged. And people can be mistreated. 
They're just so complicated. A lot of these... They literally say that in this article, that it's just, that Rockstar is just such a complicated, like, yeah. Right, and like, it's true, but also a lot of these problems have been like, a lot of studios, a lot of publishers work with a lot of remote teams and contractors, you know what I mean? Like, it's easy to almost like exoticize these problems, like, damn, like, just out Mm -hmm. here on the cutting edge... You know, nobody's ever had to coordinate this kind of effort. Uh-huh. And, like, maybe in terms of just raw scale, maybe. Uh, but in terms of just the problems you're, that, are, that are cropping up, these are not unfamiliar problems. Like, again, these are... The way these problems are being solved are choices. It's not that this is completely unprecedented territory that, no. like, people are just improvising their way through it. This is a procedure. These are trade-offs that have been calculated, calculated in advance. And if you're not familiar with how game development is, you read an article like this and it sounds like, holy shit. Like, well, yeah, they're mistreating people, but like, also, I couldn't manage What else something are they going like to do? That. Yeah. <laughs> but like, there's a lot of people in this industry whose job it is to manage things like this, like, better. And there's a lot of places that, for instance, the anecdote the article opens on with the, can we put letterboxing on all of our cutscenes? Uh-huh. There's a lot of people that unless, like, maybe if you're someone at Rockstar making this request, you don't get laughed out of the room. But there's a lot of people whose job it is to prevent a brilliant fucking idea like that piece of shit from occurring this late in development ever. Right. Like, it's off the table. Because yeah. it will add weeks of work to, to people whose schedules do not have weeks left. To an extraordinary, for extraordinarily marginal gain. Right. Yeah. The most frustrating thing for me is the sort of like we couldn't do it any other way and i know we're, we're hammering the same drum here but like we put people on the moon right like we've we've been at the bottom of the ocean we sequenced the fucking genome we can do what we can do a lot we can do a lot of stuff uh and i'm not saying that though like there's a reason i didn't say we built cathedrals here because cathedrals killed a bunch of people in the making uh which is to say we have a history of doing this also of breaking ourselves in the name of great art the thing we learned eventually was you can build cathedrals without killing people um we figured it out fewer people fewer people people still die right i would still love to have better safety conditions when building cathedrals uh but you know what i'm saying right <laughs> one, 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 austin, one of my was, big ones he doesn't come up on doesn't, the you know i try to often, keep it separate like, i try to talk about games you get a dinner with austin he's like okay. i know i've been told i should just <laughs> let me talk. Uh, i've been told i should just focus on the game cathedral cast you know so i decided austin to the bishop of reams <laughs> we're not so different <laughs> <laughs> oh lord um but go but go and look at even yeah. uh you know comment sections you know, I mean, do I have places to. to go? But you, I'm just a, 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 not a be, response. You I got see to story, you will see st- was someone saying that this piece was too repetitive because it was it kept talking about <laughs> the same issues and issues that they know exist throughout the rest of the work culture. And it's like, my God, like the fact that there is like repetition in this is not actually that's the point, my guy. Like that's ah uh, uh, comment sections. So anyway, the the only thing I was I was I wanted to comment on that is like, yeah, they're usually a garbage fire, but. You know, if you look at least early when I was reading the Kotaku mm. ones, like it, it would show the systemic way that this is uh, prevalent outside of video games, yeah. right? So you have a lot of people that are working in other technical fields in other jobs who are like, "This doesn't sound that bad." Like, <laughs> this is like what ha- this is what I do at my job. Like, what the fuck? And it's like, 
that that is endemic of what you know it speaks to a larger <sighs> labor problem we talk about in the context of video games because that is our specific angle and that's what we can speak to with some measure of authority and have people we can speak to on that but like you just very quickly have to glance through that to realize like how much this how how much our cap like current capitalist society has ingrained on us this is like devalued ourselves devalued like free time devalued the power of labor you only have to see the amount of people who have internalized that they are worth nothing and that they are uh to the degree that it's like wow it's bad in video games it's bad everywhere Mm -hmm. it's bad in all sorts of places it's not just at rockstar um and that's always the thing i get shocked by reading that stuff is other people justifying the bad behavior in video games because there is bad behavior elsewhere and say well that's just how it is well you want to leave this you go do it somewhere else it's same exact condition and it's like that's not that's not a, that's not good enough. Arundhati Roy uh, quote: "Another another world is not only possible. Uh, she is on her way. On a quiet day, I can hear her breathing. Like it's there. the The fact of the matter is that many of us confront uh, crunch culture and are asked more of us than than we should give, um, or than than is right to give, given the conditions and given the payout and given what we get from it and given the ways in which we are often used to." kind of provide scaffolding to a system that hurts a lot of people. Um, for me, the takeaway from this stuff is is to both hold accountable specific actors and also to, to do that bigger picture thing and say, man, how do we make all this shit better? Because it is possible and it is about, it is about getting out there and actually making that happen and, and not just kind of accepting it as it is. Any final thoughts on this before we wrap up? Patrick, you pitched this as a 20-minute podcast. I, I just said uh-huh. it's, we should do a thing. You did uh, say that. Yeah, no, you I know this. Um, the one thing else, it just is an aside, is Rockstar's participation in this story is really fascinating. Yeah, it's super. Um, and, I, and I think it's deeply revealing of their own ignorance over their studio culture. Um, God, that story that of a, being brought in is so much. Yeah, like, yeah, there is a, I won't get into all the specifics, but there I do want to read, like, a specific line from... Uh, Jason's story. So the basically like Rockstar like granted uh, Jason a number of interviews um, with people uh, at the studio. They had selected. Well, so specifically like people like uh, VPs, uh, but then also there was a moment where he was brought into the studio to. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to find the. There was a specific quote that revealed everything about this. Uh, yeah, okay. So he was brought in and basically like sat down in a room where like over Skype or whatever, uh, like he was interviewing a number of employees, often at once, right? Um, sort of like you're in a CNN <laughs> fucking cable cable news uh, uh, panel um, in which he was able to like, hey, just like in a. It's not just him in a a room. It's him in a room. With like high-level PR and communications people at Rockstar, which are like, hey, just ask our workers whatever you want; they'll speak. And um, what is it? Uh, so that's, uh, where? Let me find this. He looked at me. Da, da, da. Yes. Okay. So uh, after one of these calls, um, Rockstar, or, you know, the PR person in the room uh, turned to me and asked, uh, and I'm quoting from Jason's story, asked uh, what I thought. So far, this is after uh, Jason included a bunch of quotes from some of the developers in this specific uh, uh, piece uh, or this meeting he had. He said, I told them that I believe these stories, but was skeptical that anyone could be transparent under interview circumstances like this. 
He seemed surprised. Um, this tracks with my encounters with Rockstar higher-ups over the past week. While they've made efforts to discuss the allegations over work and have loosened restrictions on their employees being up, I've not gotten much sense that they see workers will inevitably fear retaliation from bosses. You now, how much the how much those bosses say they can speak freely? Uh, it's human nature. Um, and just like again, like from a media perspective, as someone who's a reporter, um, the reason you cynically expect like the 300-word statement is because you open yourself up to public, you know, very clear hypocrisy mm-hmm. and bizarre statements uh, when said publicly when you choose to participate in a story like this and choose to push back when you haven't done the internal cleanup. So like that's why the credits thing immediately gets backtracked and a website is thrown up because when said publicly, it's like, well, that's not a, that's a bad look. Um, But the, the fact that they organize this little meeting for Jason to interview these employees says, it just says a lot about the company and how they view themselves and their relationship with their own labor force. That, oh, if we just allow, tell them they can speak, they will feel the need to speak honestly and will share. Like, they may. Even with someone. It is possible. A PR person in the room on a Skype call in a group of five people. You don't, you know. Even if they are not doing that, right, there's a world, there's a version of that where it's malicious, right? right? Like, the PR person is there because, hey, make sure you share the the right stories. stories, You know what I'm thinking? And I don't think that's actually what happened here. Like, I think it's, it's something like actually far more insidious and subtle, which is they actually believe that's not a problem. They actually believe the presence of that PR person isn't a big deal. And these people all have only good stories to share. And it's okay that they're present there and that they can put them forward in this way. Now, it's probably somewhere in between, right? Knowing my own understanding of how Rockstar's communications department works and how high-level PR departments work at companies and, and, and industries at this scale. But it speaks to a profound ignorance and a profound disconnect in the relationship between Rockstar's labor force that they even decided to participate in the story in the way they did. And the way that as you read through the story, they're reactionary to Jason's reporting in which things are changing in real time as Jason is reporting it out and asking them to confirm those things. Um, It's just utterly bizarre. Rockstar as a company was probably better served not touching this story (laughs) at all. But it, I'm so glad they did because it is revealing in a thousand different ways uh, what happens there and what is probably happening at all sorts of other companies. I, I guess, like, counterpoint, Rockstar was extremely well served by this because five years from now, I'm hoping, if, if I can be briefly, tiny, like, smallly optimistic, this mm-hmm. can be the thing that helps them fix those problems and allows their workers there to push for change that will be healthier and better for that company in the long run. The contradiction is important, yeah, right? Like, there's almost no yes. way to read this, both from an, a labor standpoint, if you're an employee, right? Yep. Um, whether And this, this story runs the gamut. It goes from the QA person to higher-level people that are going to be guaranteed bonuses that are potentially life-changing money that allows them to... Go, even, you know, go start their own studio or do whatever. Even different people um, inside and, of the same department, right? There's a there's a funny yes. bit here where if you are a if you're at QA, then you're working a lot of hours. But if you're if, as long as you're not a QA lead or in some other department in that office, you're probably a contract worker, which means you do get overtime. But if you're a QA lead, if you've been promoted into a permanent position and are a salaried QA lead, you no longer get overtime. Uh, and so you could actually, though you get a, a bit of a promotion, you end up not getting the same income despite working the same hours. Uh, it's like it, there's so much to the story. And w- w- I think when when it's fair to call it a complicated story, it's around that stuff because a company this big has so many different positions. And what's important is to not let those little complications get in the way of the bigger picture stuff and to, to figuring out like how do you push a company like this forward? Because 
I believe that a company like Rockstar, who has its prestige, who has its uh, success rate, who has one of the the most, uh, I guess GTA Five at this point is what is is the most profitable game the most... ever, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. ever. Ever, I think cultural product ever. It's a lot like of including money, including films. Yeah. Um, and it it beat Titanic for sure, and Avatar. Thank God for that. I'm, no, <laughs> it's weighing there in my head. They have, and they have they have unlimited money, <laughs> right. right? Like this is this is a situation so, in which I'm sure there is still budgeting, yeah, of course, that happens. But like in terms of how video games are made, there is no company with fewer excuses to not do things. And better who could than own it? Who could completely fucking own it? One of the things that's so funny about all this to me, or ironic or weird, is that there is such a posturing at Rockstar in, in, in you know articles like this, in in the in the material that they make, in the graffiti that they that they put up around New York, and the and the you know the prints that they hang. That is like we are a cool fucking company. Like we are young and hip. Uh, you know, hey, cool teens. Like a hundred percent. We're rock stars, right? And the difference between a rock star now and a rock star 20 years ago is significant. And the difference between kind of a young punk upstart who wants to change the world with their art now from 25 years ago is huge, right? It turns out like the company that like cynically wanted to give the finger to the world in the Bill Clinton presidency and the one who wants to do the same thing in the Donald Trump presidency, the same attitudes around what authorship and creativity look like and what a good work, you know, life balance looks like and, you know, the degrees of cynicism and nihilism and, like, all of that stuff is changed. And right now, the fucking coolest thing Rockstar could do and the thing that I know they are capable of is reforming workplace conditions where they need to be reformed, explaining how those reformations already happened, if they happened, as this article suggests, between Red Dead 1 and now, showing that off. Stop being a black box studio. Lead the fucking way and beat your fucking chest if you're actually making improvements because then people will want to work for you and because then you can be a leader in the industry in the way that I know the housers say they think they are or want to be. Like, that is a thing they could do. In the same way that I think a company like Blizzard could do, right? Like, there are plenty of companies I think have, I put this on them. Like, you have the money, you have the resourcing, you have the creative talent. Fix it. Fix it and brag about it. And also there are studios that do do this, right? Or much better than this, that I wish it became a thing Mm -hmm. they talked about outwardly. Like, Insomniac's actually a studio that I have famously heard is like like a pretty wonderful place to work. And... Is constantly actually like winning awards mm-hmm. for like, like the things they do. You know, I haven't done a whole deep dive into sure. their, the studio, but like I've heard time and time again from folks that work there, like it's a they're it's a happy place to work, and it's like they're a place that recruits based on that. Part of the way they bring people into the studio is about like this is a good place to work. You're going to enjoy working here. Um, and I just yes, if that became a feature set, and that's why what's so important about someone like Rockstar doing it is there is like. There is a trickle down. There's no trickle down economics, but like this sort of thing would ha- be helpful if you have someone leading the way that's saying like, we're going to steal your talent because this is a better place to work right. and you're going to make the biggest games that have the biggest impact. Right. Like that would create competition in terms of, you know, labor, creativity and how you think about how and you And it would set labor. standards. It would set standards that we would push for. Yes. And when other workers and other companies can't make it happen in their local places, that leads to either you know more worker organization or towards a world in which your society has to adjust for it. And like in Scotland, like in you know many places in in Europe, new protections get put into place for workers to ensure that if the company won't do it on their own behalf, 
the, the government will, right? Like the, the society will hold employers accountable. Um, and, and so like be the leader in that space or fuck off kind of, you know, like you can do it. It's not, it's not. I, and on top of that, I think there is also just an element here of like, that's the way to be, build faith back. Um, I, again, we work for vice and last year, this time, I, I don't, I don't know if it's like this day exactly, but it was right around now when we started catching wind that there were articles coming about some sexual misconduct scandals. There had been articles previously about some labor conditions for, for workers in different parts of the company here. And I know super well what it's like to see a company very slowly change and try and like scramble to try to earn back trust both internally and externally, both from fans and readers and also from the people inside of the company. It takes time. It is not a thing that one article at Kotaku is going to fix. It's not a thing that uh, a documentary is going to fix. You know, they could they could show us the inside of each of their studios with a beautifully cut documentary and, like, look at how everything is good. That alone won't do it. People are going to be skeptical for a long time because they have reason to be. Because both here and elsewhere, they've seen again and again abuses either uh, out in the open and, and bragged about in some cases or else revealed uh, as, as having been hidden. Uh, and so it's going to take time, but I, I have no doubts in my mind that this is a company that could do it if that's what they wanted, and so should be judged accordingly, right? Um, this is not this isn't a five-person studio where they're all like, well, we, we, overspe- you know, we, we overscoped this project, and now we're in the middle of it, we don't know what to do, and we all took out extra loans. There's no more money. There's no more money. No, you have it. You're about to make a huge fucking game. That game is going to be it's going to be massive. It's going to be game of the year at five different sites, twelve different sites, depending you know, whoever whatever you're counting, right? It's going to be uh, it's going to it probably won't do GTA five numbers, but it's going to do really big numbers. Um, and so I I you know I implore you if you are someone at a company if you're at Rockstar if you're at a company like Rockstar use your power to continue pushing it in the right direction to, to take the things that have changed at the Lincoln studio and make sure that that's the case everywhere to look for new places to ensure that workers aren't mistreated. Like that's on you. Make it happen. Uh, any final thoughts, Natalie or Rob? I don't think so. I think you, you All got right. it. Well, if you have any statements, you want to send them in, you can send them to gaming at vice.com. Statements. statements. Send us your statements. You use the subject statement. No, use the subject question <laughs> uh, in your subject line, and we will definitely see it. Um, whew, boy, there's a lot. I put it all out there. I have to bring it all back in now. i got to bring it all back. I'm Austin Walker. You can follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Rob Zachney, where can people find you? At Rob Zachney. How about you, Natalie? At Natalie Watson. And Patrick. Hashtag let Rob sleep. Hashtag let Rob sleep. As a reminder, if people missed any of the 72-hour stream that we did, you can find all of our half of it, twitch.tv slash waypoint, and click on the videos button. You can see the mods, uh, community mod side of it at twitch.tv slash waypoint community. Uh, I think most of the most of the archives have been have been saved there. Um, and then, uh, as always, you can follow. Hey, do we get hit with... Uh, I don't uh, think we did. IDs on the DDR stuff? We did not. We did not. We did not. Hey. Hey. Shouldn't have said it out loud. Hey. <laughs> uh, you can watch Patrick, Natalie, and Kato do a bunch of DDR in there. You can watch Rob and I finally duel each other inside of uh, so inside of Battletech with like beautiful lighting. Shout out to the production team and for that one. So many technical hiccups that they had to overcome. It was amazing. For us to and great vocal bit. accompaniment uh, from the rest of the gang. Oh, yeah, boy. Uh, they just were just good killing bits. it. <laughs> Please, if oh, nothing else, you. go watch us play. Make gritty in Soul Calibur. God damn it! That I was, was really taken good. aback by the quality of that gritty. Like I had, I you. hadn't seen the character creation gritty uh-huh. screen. And I was like, yeah, 
Oh shit. Yeah, That's we gritty. we really we really pushed it. We really pushed Soul Calibur into some new places. Uh, which is really fun. Um, we'll talk more about that stuff and some other stuff in Friday's episode. We're going to run Friday's episode like it's a Monday episode and just kind of talk about games we've been playing. I've been playing so much, can't get into it all right now. Won't be talking about Red Dead probably unless Code shows up before then. Uh, we'll see. Um, I mean, and also, I'll, I guess I'll say right now, like regardless, we are probably going to cover that game in some way, um, hopefully in a way that is comprehensive, in a way that speaks to all of what we've spoken to today, um, but not at launch unless... Unless code shows up in the next few hours, because otherwise that's a fucking sprint, and I'll have offloaded crunch onto me as a reviewer, <laughs> uh, which would be ah, funny. The irony. the irony, yeah, exactly. How's Austin doing? I don't know. He hasn't slept in three days trying to write that Red Dead review. <laughs> um, as always, you can also find Kado at a underscore Kado underscore appears on Twitter, and you can find everything we do at twitter.com slash waypoint and facebook.com slash waypoint vice and obviously at waypointadvice.com i guess today we're probably using bowen's music so shout outs to bowen for letting us use the track miss you of the ep panel machine find out more about that waypoint.zone slash b-o-e-n i should set up i should set up uh waypoint.zone redirects for all the mellow music we've started to use that's what i should do after this mm. all right everybody that's gonna do it for us today uh danielle isn't here but i would really love it if someone could could bring in that catchphrase for for an episode like this what's what's danielle always say Be good and be good at it. Passion. <laughs> bye bye. I was hoping you would do that so much, Natalie. <laughs> oh. I didn't want to say it. I was just hoping the baton would be picked up. You know, you know I do. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.